Well, since you brought up unification, I'm going to give you a, a feature request <laughs> that will unify the experience across WSL and Windows. And I, I fully realizing this might be more of a file system concern, but if y'all could support forward slash for your directory separators versus a backward slash, I think you'd have developers around the world rejoicing <laughs> at the unified view of directories in the command line with forward slashes. What do you think about that? I think I've heard that one before, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certainly not the first one to have desired it. I don't know who to ask for that. I think there's like a solid backward compatibility reason why we can't do that. I'm sure there is. I don't quite know, but I feel like we would have done it by now if we could. <laughs> Bandwidth for Changelog is provided by Fastly. Learn more at Fastly.com. We move fast and fix things here at Changelog because of Rollbar. Check them out at Rollbar.com. And we're hosted on Linode Cloud Servers. Head to Linode.com slash Changelog. Linode makes cloud computing simple, affordable, and accessible. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your ideas to the next level. We trust Linode because they keep it fast and they keep it simple. Check them out at linode.com slash changelog. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Change Local Podcast featuring the hackers, the leaders, and the innovators in the world of software. I'm Adam Stakoviak, Editor-in-Chief here at ChangeLog. On today's show, we're talking to Kayla Cinnamon, Program Manager at Microsoft for Windows Terminal, Console, Command Line, and also Cascadia Code. Today, we're focusing on Windows Terminal and their recent 1.0. We talk about everything that went into rethinking the command line experience on Windows, the UX and the UI design behind it all, the learnings of working at open source, and what's to come for the Windows command line experience. We're here with Kayla Cinnamon, and we're talking about the cool thing, right? The new Windows Terminal. It's the new command line experience. It's recently 1.0, which is super cool. Welcome, Kayla. Ah, thanks for having me. I reached out to you, I think, was it in April, I want to say, prior to the 1.0 release? I think it was like 0.9, and you've got monthly releases and monthly blog announcements and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. you've been pretty busy. Yeah, we still release monthly, and now we have two different builds that we push to. We have a preview build and the stable build from Microsoft build. That's a lot of builds. Um, a lot of builds. Yeah. So <laughs> we push um, like an incremental update, like 1.1 to preview. And then once that's baked in preview and a lot of the bugs are ironed out, then we'll move it over to stable. So that's kind of our process right now. So yeah. the latest is 1.1 moving to stable and 1.2 coming to preview. This is about a year old, right? So Windows Terminal 1.0 now, mm -hmm. but uh, it obviously started at zero or nothing, no version. It was about a year ago, I think it was 2019 build. You announced this, is that right? Yep. So at, yeah, at Microsoft Build 2019, we announced it in a keynote. I think it was Rajesh Jha's keynote. And we had the whole promo video and it was funny because we had to cover our booth name until that keynote happened. So we were just no. kind of awkwardly standing there representing a Windows subsystem for Linux until our announcement came out because we couldn't like talk mm. about it. So it was just kind of funny because we put a black piece of paper over our booth name. <laughs> it was just, just kind of funny. But yeah, so we announced then and announced it as like the new experience. Like this is 
the new thing for Windows command line. Why is the Windows terminal an important project at Microsoft for the company and for you personally? Why do you want to work on it? So for like command line experience on Windows, no one's really touched it or changed it in like 30 to 40 years coming up. <laughs> it's a long time. It's funny because like a ton of developers use it daily and it's just this old tool that, you know, nobody messed with because if we change too many things, then we would break some automated process that needed to launch the term or console window in a certain place on the screen with certain padding and font size. And if we changed any of that, those processes would break and then we would get in trouble. So that's kind of why we had to start a new terminal and like get a whole fresh new experience. And since this was, this is people's daily driver, they're in the command line all the time. It was something that it's something that, that needs to be refreshed and maintained. So that's, why it's important. And then for me, why I really like working on it is I, I was brought onto the team for the UI. So designing the tabs and like how everything looks uh, and how people will interact with it. Uh, so that was just, it's cool for me because that like I worked with very few people. So I have a lot of stake in like what it looks like so that I felt like I made a lot of impact and then a lot of people have, you know, started using it. So it's, it's pretty cool for me to see like the impact that I've made as an individual on the team, which is really cool. You also have a master's degree in that stuff too, human-computer interactions. That's it's something you can really go back to theory and science around the thing too. Yeah, and like all the books I've read and how like I did a lot of web design and like mobile design and how it, things are more intuitive when they're placed on certain places on the screen or like contrast, colors, and all that fun stuff. So it's cool that my study is related directly to my role, yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. Even more so how important, you know, reviving something that hadn't been touched, as you had said, like 30 or 40 years. I mean, mm -hmm. to get a chance to touch something that's such a, I don't know, like a daily driver for developers, you know, like it's a, it's a big deal to revive it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was funny when I came on the team, they're like, you're going to do the UI for the command line. And I'm like, isn't the command line literally the opposite of the UI? Like, isn't it's just the black mm. box. And then it was kind of a challenge of how do I bring in like my knowledge and making it still the command line and, you know, as minimal as possible, but still useful. Mm. So that was just kind of interesting because at first I was like, isn't that the point is that there isn't a UI? <laughs> so yeah, it was just a really cool challenge to apply to the project. So what kind of UI is there? There's the, the tab strip on the top which is the biggest part of the UI. I worked directly with the WinUI team and they basically made the tab control for terminal. So I worked with them of like, here's what we'll need. Here's, you know, some designs that we've thought of and then worked with them for designs that they've thought of. And then that's kind of how the tab strip came to be. And then we implemented stuff like the dropdown after that, which was already built in. And now the stuff I'm working on, I'm designing the settings UI. So I have like full control over what that looks like, and then any UI element on terminal. So the search box, I also did by hand. So there's just like a few smaller things, but it's still as minimal as possible. Like if you take the tab strip off, it's just the box. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's an interesting challenge. Looks like you're also working on some stuff. A lot of times the UI, well, UX and UI are different, but can be intertwined. And a lot of that experience or the way you interact with the program is the integration into the other aspects of the operating system. So I see you're adding things like alt click to uh, open a pane and you're also adding 
uh, what's the one that seemed more like an integration? Oh yeah, open in Windows Terminal. So right click from the context menu there, integrations into the broader OS, which aren't exactly UI. I mean, they do have their own interfaces, but they're definitely really tying it in and making it accessible and available where you need it. Yeah, and our goal is to make it as intertwined and ingrained in Windows as possible. So it doesn't feel like a separate app anymore. It feels like you're just launching the command line and it's just in Windows Terminal. So eventually we want it to be like a default setting. So like when you launch CMD, it will come out in Terminal. So that's a goal that we have. I think it's on our 2.0 roadmap. So we're aiming to get that in by 2.0. But then it would feel like part of Windows rather than this extra you know, Terminal emulator I installed on the side and I can only launch it from like, right. launching Windows Terminal rather than like the traditional ways that you do it on Windows. Well, holding it back from being there today where you can at least opt in, maybe not by default on new installs, but opt into the new one when you launch the command uh, executable. Since this is a Windows change, we have to wait for the Windows release cycles to go through, I see. which are yeah. much less frequent. So we're working with that release cycle, which is why it's taking a little bit longer. So makes sense. Mm-hmm. Where did you draw inspiration from when it comes to like rethinking? You know, having touched something that's that dated, I'm wondering, have you did you scrap all the things? Did you begin brand new? You know, what slate? What was the state of the slate when you actually started to like make new things for for Windows Terminal? So we are actually using a lot of the code that's already in Windows for the original console because we, we own both. Our team owns both the original experience and Terminal. So a lot of the code that lets you, it reads from the shell any responses of like text going in, text going out, and then processing it. All of that code is reused in Windows Terminal. Uh, I think you can actually see it if you go into Task Manager and you see what's running for Terminal, you should be able to see like Conhost and then that is the same thing that would be running in a regular console. So we've used that in terms of receiving data from the shell. And then on top of that, we built our own renderer. So we're able to render things like emojis or other Unicode characters, UTF-8, characters from other languages, coding ligatures, all of that stuff. And then we've also utilized the GPU for that renderer. So it's a lot faster. This is actually like a fun fact. If you're running a build and it's in original console and the text is appearing on the screen, it will actually go faster if you minimize the console because it's using a lot of your CPU, which is just like a funny thing. So if you want to build something faster and you're in original console, just minimize the window. But yes, we use the the GPU for our renderer. So that was like a new thing on top. And then on top of that, we've added the XAML elements of the tab strip and then the dropdown. So we took what we already had instead of reinventing the wheel because that has you know, been battle-tested for 30 to 40 years. Now we just needed to change the Chrome around it. So that's kind of where the divide happened. Was a lot of this bringing many worlds together, you know, Command Prompt, PowerShell, you know, WSL in terms of profiles and stuff like that? Was it more of like, let's make a new experience, a new world for all these things to play well together and unify the experience? Is that what the goal was? Yeah, especially because... With WSL, people will use both Ubuntu and PowerShell. And the way it was originally, it's window on top of window, regardless of you have two PowerShell windows or two Ubuntu windows or something. So this was just easier in terms of managing those windows and having it all be in the same UI. And then giving 
more exposure to stuff like Windows Subsystem for Linux because if you downloaded Ubuntu and maybe forgot about it or you didn't know you could put it in Terminal or any other shell you wanted, like an SSH client you could put in there so it would launch your SSH connection in a profile. Or if you wanted to run a batch script, you could do that. So it's just kind of unifying what it means to be a command line application on Windows, which is pretty neat. And then it's mm -hmm. like your go-to place. You don't have to think of like, oh, this project is over here in this application. I need to go launch that you know, in a separate window. It's kind of just bringing your workflow together, which is really nice. Well, since you brought up unification, I'm going to give you a, a feature request <laughs> that will unify the experience across WSL and Windows. And I, I'm fully realizing this might be more of a file system concern, but if y'all could support forward slash for your directory separators versus a backward slash, I think you'd have developers around the world rejoicing <laughs> at the unified view of directories in the command line with forward slashes. What do you think about that? I think I've heard that one before. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm certainly not the first one to have desired it. I don't know who to ask for that. I think there's like a solid backward compatibility reason why we can't do that. I'm sure there is. I don't quite know, but I feel like we would have done it by now if we could. <laughs> That's just where I think it would happen. But like our teams are not we would not be the right place for fixing that. I think that's like a hardcore Windows. No, that's like a file system thing. Yeah. Yeah, and Microsoft's dogged pursuit of backwards compatibility definitely makes changes like that darn near impossible. If you think replacing cmd.exe is tough, I'm pretty sure that just the assumption that the the directory separators would be backslashes is probably hard-coded into millions of programs around the mm -hmm. world. Yeah. But it'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I know. And we, yeah, <laughs> Like what you were saying, we can't ever get rid of cmd.exe because of all that backward compatibility stuff. Right. And we can't change the default of, like, you have to enable terminal in your settings to be default eventually. Because mm -hmm. some people, or if it's, like, automatically right. launched by an application, it wouldn't be in terminal for those backward compat reasons. So there's, like, a, you know, a little dance we have to do around those kinds of situations where the window has to appear as it was 30 years ago because whoever wrote that code is no longer around, but it's not broken. So no mm -hmm. one's going to go like mess with it. So it, we have to make sure that we don't, you know, break a ton of people when we do this. Which makes it even harder to, to talk to people like Jared who want that or suggest things like that and you can't do it. So you've got like these, well, we're just unreasonable people. <laughs> <laughs> what I mean by that is that it makes your job even more difficult to, you know, kind of go into a new era for something that has been tried and true for so long, so stable for so long, mm -hmm. but, you know, kind of wrap everything else into one and bring a unified experience given, you know, like these constraints that, that sort of, to some degree, seem to hold you back a little bit. Did you experience that a lot? Or is, it, is there like a list of things like, these are all my constraints, like we can't, we just can't like do the you know, cmd.exe, for example? Yeah, I think when I joined... I was like, oh, can't we do this? Because I, you know, I didn't know anything. I was fresh out of college. And they're like, no, because, you know, backward compatibility. I'm like, okay. I'm like, well, what about this? And they're like, no. <laughs> so it's, you start to learn like, okay, there's only certain things we can mess with or certain experiences that we could change. And then you kind of understand the full picture of like, okay, this is something that's heavily relied on between not only people, but systems and, yeah. you know, code that just executes so it's, it's interesting that you're no longer dealing with only people. You're dealing with computers interacting with your own thing, which is just a whole other 
way to think about it, which is kind of cool. Was it frustrating or was it one of those things where you have constraints? It's like, this is a challenge. Or was it like, oh my gosh, one more thing I have to dance around? <laughs> yeah, I definitely looked at it as, a, as more of a challenge. I'm like, okay, well, if we can't do it this way, how do we resolve this pain point without breaking all that other stuff? So it, I definitely saw it as like, let's find a different way to do it because there's always a way to do something. So it's just kind of like figuring out how, which is fun. I think it's a fun mm-hmm. part of the job. When it came to new design interactions and UI, when you thought about stuff like that, how did you, how did you research or feel good about directions you wanted to take things? Did you have like a cohort of people that you relied upon for information? Did you have like, you know, was the preview like tried and true for you to really learn? Did you ship with something kind of scrappy that eventually turned more, you know, useful? How did it work out? So when I joined in February of last year, the team had a lot of stuff kind of already figured out. They just needed the UI on top. And they've, you know, we've owned, I say they, but it's we now, but um, we've owned original console for a while. And some changes were made about three to four years ago. And then after that, people started asking for, you know, background images and GIFs and color support and font support and all that fun stuff. So a lot of the data was coming from requests like that. And then we started molding the terminal into things that everyone has been asking for for multiple years. And Rich always told me, Rich Turner, he said like, oh, I, I get emails all the time about you know this feature or this feature. And that's kind of how we were able to figure out things to put in there. Plus what's really cool about Terminal is that it's a product for developers and the team is made of developers. So if the devs on the team don't find something useful or they don't like it or like it's not a use case, it's kind of nice to just sample size from our own team because they are developers and they use it to develop it, which is just kind of like a funny inception thing. Mm-hmm. So it, that's kind of where our sample pool came from. And a lot of stuff was on Twitter and like tweets that Rich was getting. And then it molded into, let's just get something functional out. So the first like ter- Windows Terminal 0.2, not pretty. It's really <laughs> gross looking. <laughs> uh, we had like a really big plus button. You couldn't drag the title bar. It was like it was really uh, like duct tape and popsicle sticks. Like it was really held together by not too much. So then we were able to have people start testing it and building it and start developing on it. And then issues are being filed on GitHub. And then we ranked our priority list of features based on responses on GitHub. So then it kind of went from, here's the stuff that we knew we wanted from the last three years. Now that things are you know in motion and you can open the... T- the drop down and get a new tab like that worked. It just looked really gross. It looks much better now. Right. Once we got that basic functionality in, then it turned into what are people requesting on GitHub? What are people requesting on Twitter? And then what are we wishing we had? Like I wish I wanted a settings UI since like day one and I've made like three different designs of it. And my hackathon project was like coding it. And it it was like, we've just wanted the settings UI for a really long time. It was just more of like dev resources of, Let's get it working first and then add the niceties on top, like a UI and stuff. So that's kind of how we operate in terms of getting features and stuff. It's a lot of what are the top most reacted to GitHub issues and what's the most duplicated issue that we get coming in. And then we aggregate lists of these things. And that's kind of what forms our roadmap after that. So it's really a community driven thing, which is really cool because then we just kind of give people what they want, which makes us feel really good. And then it's also stuff that we want. So it's really just a nice ecosystem that we have. So that's the process. 
when dealing with application performance, you ask questions like which endpoint is triggering memory increases? Are slow requests to a particular endpoint cascading to the app? Why is this endpoint slow for only a handful of users? Has this performance pattern occurred before? What changed since the most recent deploy? Those are just a few questions easily answered by Scout APM. Scout is application monitoring that continually tracks down N plus one database queries, sources of memory bloat, performance abnormalities, and a ton more. Thousands of engineers trust Scout APM to help them uncover performance issues you can't see in the charts. Learn more and get started for free at scoutapm.com slash changelog. No credit cards required. Again, scoutapm.com slash changelog. about the design process of things i mean when you think about search you'd mentioned when you think about leading with you know function and then coming back and layering on form what's your personal design process like do you have a team is it are you running rogan solo what's the process for designing the interface so when we first started when we first were you know designing terminal itself i worked with a designer at Microsoft and we worked together on here's you know functionality that we want here's like the gist and I had some mockups that I made and then he made it look like an actual Microsoft product because I was only there like two months at this point so I, I didn't really know what I was doing and then we were only able to work with him until when we announced in 2019 when we first announced so then from there I've just been kind of on my own in terms of designing so I use Figma and what's nice about Figma is that there's packages you can get that are like Microsoft controls. So like checkboxes and switches and, you know, close buttons and all that stuff. Mm. You can make stuff look like it's a real Microsoft application because it, it will eventually. So my process, like for the search box, for example, I looked at Visual Studio and Visual Studio Code to see how they did it and how it worked. Because a lot of stuff that we operate on, we, we try to make very similar to VS Code so that it feels like it's, you know, you're using a, a Microsoft yeah. thing. Yeah, so it, rather than like, it feels like two different teams made this, which, you know, two different teams are making them. But you want it to feel like a unified experience. So we try to follow a lot of what VS Code has already done. So I modeled the search box after kind of what they've done and then change it to stuff that is available in like the XAML controls gallery. We do use one UI XAML for all of our UI elements. So it, I used those controls from the Figma package to design kind of what it would look like and the functionality piece of it. A lot of it came from how to search work in console and then what else can we add on top that's like familiar to like VS code users and then that's kind of the process. And then I just show the team and I'm like, what do you think? And they're like, looks great. And I'm like, cool, go code it. And they're like, awesome. And that's like the process. So it's pretty like one man job right now. So for the settings UI, I've been specking. This is the stuff I've been working on lately and doing the mock-up. So a lot of the stuff is from what Zam like the when UI XAML controls are. And then it's a turn just in terms of like layout and organization and how does it feel as a user? What navigation makes sense for the settings UI? And where would I think like 
font face would be uh, in terms of like a setting and like that kind of layout. That's the stuff I've been tackling now. But in terms of like what it looks like, it's pretty standardized to the uh, WinUI controls because we just use their toolkit. Yeah. What a thing Figma must have done though for not saying that you're not a designer or an interface person, but from an interaction standpoint, you know, you may have less deeper experience and knowledge around interface and maybe in, in particular Windows interface design. Letting Figma kind of help you with those parts, like that look standard, look like Windows, look like other systems, and let you kind of like laser in on your area of focus, which is like interaction, right. user experience, flows, you know, user desires, as you mentioned, people emailing about different things like, hey, I want this feature or that feature and kind of giving them what they want, as you said. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's such a cool tool to to use. We don't have to like be the interface designer, but still be the interface designer. Right. Yeah. So I like to think of it as like a graphic designer would make what the checkboxes look like or what, you know, the font face would look like and stuff like that. And then I would do more layout and experience of like what it feels like to use the application and where stuff is Mm -hmm. organized and then making sure the colors line up and it's cohesive. That's kind of where I come in, which is really nice because I'm not a graphic designer. I can't make icons. My art is really, really bad. Um, So it's nice that that's kind of already done for me. And I'm just organizing everything in a way that makes sense in terms of user experience standpoint. So my own terminal, personal terminal path, actually OS path. So I started in Windows and then in college I went to Ubuntu Mm -hmm. on my laptop. And then I went back to Windows as I entered the workforce. And I ran that for a few years. And then I went to Mac OS. And that's where I live today. And over the years, I've considered going back to Windows from time to time, just as everybody looks at the grass is greener, right? Mm -hmm. And my response to like the reasons why I stopped was like, well, they just don't care about the terminal, which is pretty much the main thing I care about. The reason why I I ran, I switched to Mac OS because it was just like Linux, only had a nice UI. Like that was pretty Mm -hmm. much it. Done. Sold. And I didn't have to keep reinstalling my, what was it? The wireless cards drivers every time mm. the system mm-hmm. updated. My, you know, on Ubuntu back in the early 2000s, it would just destroy your wireless as soon as you upgraded anything. So I got sick of doing that, and I was like, well, when Microsoft just doesn't care about the things that I care about, which was the terminal, the command line, that experience specifically. I would also argue the the forward slashes. <laughs> just kidding. Just uh, bringing it back up. <laughs> Windows subsystem for Linux was the first time where I started to change my mind, and I was like not change my mind about Microsoft, but realize that Microsoft had kind of changed its mind about developers from my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I mean, this renewed interest in the terminal and this rewrite from the ground up is more evidence that Microsoft really cares about these things now. And I'm just curious how the developer sphere received your big 1.0 and this new application. Are people loving it? Do they still grumble? What's the community response been like from people maybe like myself who likes Windows but doesn't go back historically because of the terminal or people who are just been Windows users the whole time and kind of quietly despised the old command prompt. Are they happy about it? Yeah, so the overall sentiment has been pretty positive. Um, I get a lot of tweets saying like, thank you so much for your work on this. Like I can finally use it because X feature came in at like whatever release point. So I feel like with every release, we open it up we open Terminal up to a wider audience because we're relieving those pain points of what's missing. And there's still a ton of stuff missing. Like, we know that. And that's, you know, why we're still, mm-hmm. we still have jobs because it's still under development. But I think 
with the 1.0, it was really big because it was officially like a stable app that we knew would likely not crash on you, which is, you know, important, especially if you're doing command line stuff, you really got to make sure that's a stable application. So that was kind of big because then, you know, enterprises can go in and, and get it and rely on it as a daily driver. So that was where the 1.0 was really big, but with every like incremental release, when we add new stuff, it unblocks subset of people. So, you know, every month it gets a little bit better and we still get responses of like, I can't use this because X feature is not there and it's on our roadmap and we're working towards it. So that's kind of nice for us Mm -hmm. to know, like we will get there eventually and it will be something that you can use. So it's, since it's still, it's such a new product and we only have about five developers on the team. So it's a really small team and we're just working as fast as we can. What are the major blockers for folks? Like if you had a short list of things that you are obviously not there yet that gets requested all the time. Yeah. So settings UI is a big one. A lot of people don't want to open a JSON file, which is valid. Also opening administrator tabs next to non-administrator tabs. That's another big one. Mm. Or run the terminal as another user. That's a big one as well. A big one that we unblocked was the right click open in Windows terminal, Windows integration where you could right click on a folder in a file explorer and it would show up. That was a big one that a lot of people were asking for. I know quake mode is another big one uh, where you would hit a hotkey and then the terminal would open at the top of the screen. You could do something really quick and then it would, you could, you know, toss it away. So we are making, I thought you said quake mode, like the video game quake. Yeah. That's where it comes from. Is that what it's called? Oh, it's like a a HUD. It's like a drop. Yep. 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 Okay, I retconned your word. I thought you said quick mode. I was like, she surely didn't say quake. And then I was like, oh, she said quick. And now I'm both wrong and stupid. Please continue. (laughs) We're working towards quake mode now in terms of ways to run your terminal. So in 1.2, we have focus mode, which is removing the Chrome of terminal. So it's really just the box. It's just the text box. There's no tabs. Everything I worked on is gone, essentially, mm. all the UI. Uh, um, and it sits... How rude. I know. Um, it sits on top of um, any window. So that's a stepping stone towards Quake mode, because then when you launch Terminal, maybe you don't want all the tabs and stuff, and you want it to p- appear on the top of all of your windows. So that's like one step that we were making towards that. I'm trying to think of other like big things that are missing. A lot of pain stuff, like when you can split terminal into multiple different panes in a tab resizing mm-hmm. those with the mouse you can't do yet but that's another one oh, okay I'm trying to think of what else these are things that like we're actively working on so these are uh, like top of mind that's a pretty good list yeah right oh and, and default terminal is a big one of like if i type cmd i want it to launch in terminal that's a really big one as well so what is the the executable is it terminal.exe or how do you launch it directly wt.exe so windows terminal okay couldn't you just alias that in your own machine? Not you, Kayla, but whoever wants that feature, couldn't they just alias? Yes. We have command line arguments. Or a shortcut. So you could yeah. do like WT and then do like split pane or new tab and profile name and all that stuff. So you could launch terminal in a specific configuration and pin that command alias as like something in your taskbar or something on your desktop. So when you double click on it, it launches terminal in that config, which is really nice. Mm. A lot of people are in the habit of typing PowerShell or typing CMD. And then that's where 
the pain comes in of it's launching. My traditional workflow is not compatible with Terminal yet because I'd have to change what I look for or like, I don't know. Gotcha. Or if they have automated things that launch CMD or something they want it in Terminal, then that's where things get like mm. dicey. Yeah. So it's still in a, in a world where it's like several ways in, several ways out of Windows Terminal or typical path that developers are using. Yes. I think I, I, think I understand your question. <laughs> well, meaning that there's certain flows that are just launching the command prompt directly versus Windows Terminal because it had never been there before. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, so it's just kind of integrating right. it better into people's workflows because our goal is not to change what people do for us. We would like to change to be useful for them. That's the goal. It's just like unblocking those types of things are like the top requested features. Well, speaking of developer-focused features, nice to see you've got GIF and image in the background <laughs> text window support. These are the things that really matter. When we were on CalSay, we wanted it to look tight, <laughs> and you guys definitely addressed that particular need. Yeah, so the, the background image support was actually done by a community member on GitHub. We've been focusing on, like, let's make this thing usable, you know, get it working and then add the cool stuff on top. But someone wrote mm -hmm. the, all the code for GIF support and image support in the background. And we're like, okay, sweet. So we just added that in. So that's kind of where that came from. So to me, all the cool stuff comes from the community, like the retro terminal effects where you can get scan lines and the, have the text glow. So it looks like an old CRT mm -hmm. display. That was from a community member. Like we didn't do that, um, but the code was so good that we had to put it in. So that's, that's why that's there. So yeah, and then like tab reordering, that was a community member too. I remember he, we were at Ignite and he did it on the booth, like on the show floor, he coded that, um, the tab reordering. Wow. And then he came mm. over and showed it to us and we were like, this is so cool, like please make a PR. <laughs> when that happens, that's when you just offer the guy a job right there on the spot, don't you? You're like, wow. He works for Microsoft, Are, just not on, too not late. <laughs> on, yeah, not on our team. We'll steal him from yeah. his team. <laughs> Are you looking to switch teams? Yeah, right. <laughs> so yeah, so all the cool stuff comes from not us. That's that's where my mind's at. Um, although Terminal is very cool. So, yeah. <laughs> and you make it all possible. It wouldn't, none of this cool stuff could be cool mm -hmm. if, right. if it weren't for the base right. terminal. Yeah, that's true. Which is something to mention too, the fact that this has been open source since the beginning. We kind of glossed over the fact, sure, you had an announcement and this is new and it's replacing, it's the new experience, but it's also been open source. And so I'm assuming that based upon, you know, you looking to VS Code and things happening there, that there's a lot of things happening around Microsoft tooling that is open source, and there's a lot of fruit from that. And you're kind of describing at least one of them now, which is community contributions. Yeah. So I personally see a huge shift towards open source um, inside Microsoft. And a lot of teams have come to us saying like, oh, we want to open source X thing or we're creating this new project and we want it to be open source. How did you do it? What are the good things that come from it? Um, what are the best practices that you recommend? All this stuff. And it's cool because I guess like we open sourced, I believe we open sourced the first piece of Windows ever, which was the bit that shows the text in command, like console, the con host chunk that was always shipped in Windows and we open sourced it. So it's kind of cool how we've had such an impact. And a lot of the stuff that, a lot of the benefits we get are finding bugs right away. Like everyone who's, who files issues, they're basically testers for us, which is awesome. Cause then it's just making the product better and finding stuff that we couldn't find. 
before. Like, uh, and a good example is like people who use like German keyboards or type in other languages. It's very difficult for us to test that if we don't have a German keyboard or we don't typically type in Japanese or something. So they are able to find those types of issues and file them, and then we can go hunt them down and fix them. But we wouldn't have found them on our own because that you know we don't have those types of resources. So it's just kind of that's mm-hmm. kind of cool in terms of we have thousands of just testers, which is awesome because it benefits everybody when we fix all those bugs. And then also the like feature request uh, priority list, like our priorities come from GitHub and that's because people are commenting on issues or filing new issues. And we interact with the community every day. Like we only work in GitHub. None of our code is anywhere else. And like we have our developers go through the same process that any other community member would go through in terms of submitting code. So we try to make it as even of a playing field as possible between like us and a community member. So it feels welcoming. And then we get those really good contributions, like the background images and the um, retro tonal effect. I love that one. It's so cool. That is cool. It's really a community, which is really awesome. And it, it only can benefit in my opinion, like mm-hmm. provide benefit to the terminal because you're having people read the specs that you're writing or help you think of use cases maybe you didn't think of. And it's just more, it's just like a really big team is kind of what it boils down to, which is really cool. And I really started to pay attention more closely to VS Code even whenever I saw more Go developers using it. Bill Kennedy in particular, there was particular Go support in VS Code and it was like that was like a turning point. So it would make sense to kind of treat the same thing here with Terminal that, you know, when you get more community members to make it their own and solve their own needs or just be more fun to use, you know, like put some some of your own personal flair into it or desires into it when it comes to like making it fun to use, mm-hmm. it would make sense that it becomes, you know, more of a staple for developers to use rather than thinking, well, there's only the command prompt. There's nothing else out there. And they can now begin to adopt Windows Terminal for their day-to-day driver. Yeah. And then make it their own too with yeah. all of our customizations and stuff. So yeah, we, we hope it is a, a fun thing to use and helps benefit people's workflows. Plus, once it goes into Windows proper, into the stable OS release, I mean, just having a little bit of your code inside the OS or like shipping alongside Windows updates, how cool would that be from a from somebody who doesn't work there? You know, just a, a user of Windows writing some code that it, I assume if Terminal is optionally a default, that you're going to actually ship the Terminal app alongside the operating system, right? So we're still working on the implementation of that. Another proposal that we have is shipping like a stub package. So then when you click on it for the first time, it will go install terminal from the store and then make it the default. Uh. So it wouldn't necessarily ship inside Windows. But if you do make any changes to the con host bit of our repo, which is the stuff that's in original CMD, then your stuff goes back into Windows and ships regularly. So there is still opportunity to write code for Windows. <laughs> okay, you saved it. But it's the Conhost stuff rather than Terminal. But that stuff hasn't been touched for 30 or 40 years. Well, yeah, so we update Conhost for bug fixing. And then if there's anything that can benefit uh, um, Terminal that could also benefit CMD or PowerShell or the original, the inbox experience... Like we're, we're working on a lot of performance improvements right now and that stuff will go back into Windows too. So it's not necessarily like new features. It's more like maintenance and performance Mm -hmm. improvements. 
Well, speaking of that, I found a funny bit in your readme, which I thought I'd bring up because it made me chuckle, oh. <laughs> which is, you know, new contributor onboarding is a huge part of open source. And a lot of times people run into things that you just weren't expecting they'd run into. And I'm assuming this has been run into plenty of times because you have an FAQ. Only there's one item in the oh, FAQ. No. <laughs> uh, so it's really just a frequently asked question itself, which is people are apparently are downloading the, the project. They're building it. And they're running it, and they're saying, "This looks just like the old one. This is, this is terrible. This hasn't been touched for thirty or forty years." And uh, it turns out they're they're both code bases are in the same Visual Studio uh, project, right? And people are accidentally launching the wrong one or building the wrong one. Yeah. And getting all sorts of confused. Yeah. So when we first announced a big issue that was being filed, like multiple times per day was it still looks like the original and because people would build it and then assume if I ran CMD, it would launch in it. And that's not the case. So we put that there long time ago and I guess we just haven't taken it out. I guess it's still useful because we don't get that issue filed anymore. Right. But it was just kind of funny how we're like, no, it's that you have to launch windows terminal. It was just an education thing. But yeah, there's some funny stuff in our repo. Some of our like commit messages are really funny, um, or like responses on like some of our comments are really funny. Our the release notes are pretty good. Dustin Howitt, he's our developer lead. He writes our release notes, and they can they can be pretty comedic too. Mm. So yeah, we try to have fun on there. We try to make it a welcoming community, just because like we're normal people too. Like we're all just you know trying to make a good product. So we just try to keep it fun. <laughs> How much time does your team spend building and maintaining internal tooling? I'm talking about those behind the scenes apps, the ones no one else sees. The S3 uploader you built last year for the marketing team. That quick Firebase admin panel that lets you monitor key KPIs. Maybe even the tool your data science team hacked together so they could provide custom ad spend analytics. Now these are tools you need so you build them and that makes sense. But the question is, could you have built them in less time, with less effort, and less overhead and maintenance required? And the answer to that question is yes. That's where Retool comes in. Rohan Chopra, Engineering Director at DoorDash, has this to say about Retool. Quote, the tools we've been able to quickly build with Retool have allowed us to empower and scale our local operators, all while reducing the dependency on engineering, end quote. Now, the internal tooling process at DoorDash was bogged down with manual data entry, missed handoffs, and long turnaround times. And after integrating Retool, DoorDash was able to cut the engineering time required to build tools by a factor of 10x and eliminate the error-prone manual processes that plague their workflows. They were able to empower backend engineers who wouldn't otherwise be able to build front ends from scratch. And these engineers were able to build fully functional apps in Retool in hours, not days or weeks. Your next step is to try it free at retool.com slash changelog. Again, retool.com slash changelog. Maybe you can help us out with some terminology here. This is something that Adam and I struggle with a lot, which is terminal, shell, command line. All these terms 
these are interrelated things. So a little context on Changelog News, we have topics and we're also covering things that you run in the command line context and wrote shell tools, terminal tools. We have a topic for each of these and it's always a, a game of chance to pick the right one. <laughs> is this a terminal? Is this a shell? Kayla, can you help us? Do you, do you know these terms inside and out? I'm hoping so. Maybe you don't. I don't know them very well. What's the difference between a shell and a terminal or a terminal and a command line or a console in the case of the old con host? Do you know these terms? Yes. Can you help us understand yes. them? Okay. So this was explained to me on repeat for like the first three months of my job because I didn't know. Okay. And it's what's really awesome is that people from the Windows community have it backwards from people in the Linux community. Oh, fun. So there never really is a great answer to solidify like what it is. But the way that we use it is that the terminal is the UI or the thing that you interact with that appears on the screen. And then the shell is what's running in the back end. So for us, we would say like command prompt is the shell or uh, PowerShell is the shell uh, or Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. And then it's running in a terminal, so like terminal emulator, so that could be like Commander or you know Windows Terminal or any of those. And then console, we use it as the same thing to mean as like a terminal. Uh, so it's the, the UI on top. But we just say console because it helps differentiate between the inbox Windows uh, version compared to like the Windows Terminal. Okay. So the console should also be the UI in the front. But hmm. it is confusing for sure. But that's how we split it up. So whenever I say shell, I'm referring to like command prompt or PowerShell. And then terminal would be, terminal or console would be the thing that renders the text on the front end. So the shell only is able to receive data and send it. And then it, it interprets it and then sends it back out. But it doesn't know what it's getting. Um, or sorry, the... This is this is definitely difficult to explain. The terminal in the front, mm-hmm. the terminal in the front only receives and uh, inputs data, so it's it doesn't know what's happening. If you type like ls, the terminal is just sending l and s to the shell, and it doesn't know what's happening. And the shell interprets ls and is like, okay, list you know the stuff in your directory, and then outputs that text. And then t- the terminal's like, oh, I have output. Let me display it. So the terminal has no clue what's happening in the shell behind it. It's just only there to display the info. Okay. And the shell is the one that's processing it in the back end and knows what to do with that information. So that's kind of how that differentiates. But I'm pretty sure if you're on Linux, it's backwards. Or if you're on Windows, it's backwards. One of them, it's not the same. Depends on which way you're looking at it. Yeah, which OS you think is backwards. Yeah. So what about a command line? Is that just another word for the interface? And that I would say that would be like command prompt too, because that might mean... You're at the prompt. You're where you would enter text. Similar and commit to command line, for example. Yeah, I would interpret that as whatever executable you're running in the shell. Okay. So you could run something.exe, and that's your command line. So like command prompt is how I would interpret command line as well. But you could also do commands as part of the command line, like ls or dir or like any of those. Right, individual commands. I think that's more of a stretch, but that could also be something. I guess that's more of a command rather than the command line. 
Now I'm just talking in circles, but that's, that's how you end up. Yeah. That's how I've, I've, I've done this before. And that's how it happens right there. That's how people get confused. If you're confused, listen to this, then hey. Adam, I have talked circles around this. Join the party. Yeah. And some people will, will say that I'm completely backwards and completely wrong. So it really right. just depends on like what your background is. So you're probably fine on what your layout is on changelog because it probably <laughs> makes sense to some people. <laughs> that, like, well, I don't know. That's our problem is we, we have so many options. <laughs> well, the problem is we're not internally consistent, yeah. you know, even between the two of us or even between myself last week and myself. Now I'm like before I use terminal, but this is more of a command line. Yeah. So the if listeners out there, if you have a resource like the, the canonical place that defines these terms, or if you agree with Kayla or, uh, you want to explain it for yourself, holler at us. We'd love to hear what the listeners think on yeah. that particular subject. It's yeah. a tough one. Definitely. <laughs> well, hard rotation away from uh, difficult jargon onto uh, a topic that we've been talking about. Man, Adam, is this becoming the font show? I, it might be. The font 2.0 <laughs> show. Kayla also runs the Cascadia Code Project at Microsoft, which just like Fear Code is a ligatures font. So tell us about Cascadia. Yeah. So when we were designing Terminal and we had the idea of the new Terminal, we wanted it to feel like a new, fresh experience. We wanted this to be like, this is what's new on Windows. This is the new command line thing. And when we were working with our UI of the tab strip and all of that, it still didn't look new and fresh because the font that we were using was consolus or consolus, which is the font that's been around for, you know, 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the, the largest real estate on the screen of terminal is the text. Like that's the thing that is, takes up the most amount of screen space is the text. So we figured we're going to need a new font if we want this to look new. So then that's kind of where the effort came from of, why are we making a new font and how is it related to Terminal? That's kind of where Cascadia code originated from. And then we previewed it at Build and we just called it Cascadia code because we were thinking of what to name it. And Cascadia is the code name that we used for Terminal inside Microsoft. So before we named Windows Terminal, it was called Project Cascadia. And there's still some references to that in our GitHub, some of our folders and code packages and stuff are called Cascadia. So that's where it came from. So it's an homage to Terminal. And then the code part is to help indicate that there are programming ligatures inside. So like Fira code or Cascadia code, those both have ligatures. So that's where the name Mm. came from and like why it was made. So we worked with a font designer and finalized the name after build because then people saw it and then started calling it Cascadia Code, and we're like, well, we can't change it now because now everyone knows what we've just been calling it you know, internally. So we finalized that name and then launched both a ligature version and a mono version, so Cascadia Mono, that doesn't have ligatures. So yeah, I'll keep going on like, how we released. After that, we added Paraline, Glyphs, uh, so you can use it with Paraline, and a bunch of and like box drawing glyphs, so you can have more of your stuff displayed. And then we added the Latin one character set after that, which was a bunch of like Latin based languages. And then the latest thing we added last in month in June was font weights. So now you can have bold or thin or semi light or light or any of those, which has been heavily requested because the font itself is a heavier font. Like I personally like semi light, which is like one step below normal because the normal is pretty thick anyway. So that was 
the latest thing that we added. But what was interesting is we we wanted this to be the default in Terminal because we wanted the experience to be fresh. Like we wanted it to be new. We didn't want con Consolas to be the default. So we ship. We actually ship Cascadia code and Cascadia Mono inside the Windows Terminal package, and then set Cascadia Mono as the default font. So you can switch between them if you want to turn ligatures on and off. You don't have to go install something new. It's already included in the font or in the terminal package, which is really great. But if you want the Powerline glyphs, that's a separate font. So that's on GitHub. We have a GitHub repository for Cascadia code as well. So that's how we ship. And then a funny thing that happened is when the second we made Cascadia code the default, there was an uproar on Twitter because we turned on coding ligatures for everybody. Um, and like we didn't even think about it. Like my daily workflow is on is, is GitHub or Git in the command line. Like I write code and then use Git to push it up to GitHub. So I, I, that's what I use Terminal for. So ligatures never really appeared on my screen. So I didn't really think much about it. But then there was this whole thing of like, we can't, this is not accessible. Ligatures are technically not, not accessible and we needed to make sure that Windows Terminal was accessible. So we very quickly, either the same day or the next day, shipped a servicing update that changed the default to Cascadia Mono, which doesn't have the coding ligatures. And that's why both are shipped in the package because we did a flip and then some people are relying on Cascadia code now and like we can't just take that away because then it'll go back to Consolas after that. So that was just a funny thing that happened and, <laughs> and it wasn't even something that we thought about because we were just so used to it. and. But like, this is why it's so great to have this community because it's like, no, 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 like back up. And we're like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. So <laughs> we just fixed it. And then that's also what's nice about having a really quick release cycle is that we could ship updates within, you know, a few hours, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Quick fix to a problem that you didn't foresee, but that was immediately obvious as soon as people started using it, right? Yeah. It was a really good learning experience and it wasn't even something that we thought of, but it's great that it was brought up so quickly. And it was, I think it was brought up the day we shipped that update or the day after and they were like no 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 no, you can't do this and we're like oh okay yeah ligatures are definitely you know you have to get used to them mm -hmm. you know so it's not like you just switch to it like oh that's great and you know i didn't even think about that jared so like three font ish episodes technically later oh man i'm finally understanding like you got mono and code so the code actually meant the ligatures so thank you kayla for finally drilling that home for me. I, I didn't oh. quite grok that, that mm. you, know, you got the code and the mono. So Cascadia mono is simply just for mono space font while mono code space. has the code lingatures. That totally makes sense now. And, and mm -hmm. three shows later, finally getting it. So there you go. Clearly <laughs> undense. <laughs> Welcome to the party. There you go. To the code party. I mean, I get it. I mean, it would make sense. That I just, I guess I would just think you just ship it all and you get the code ligatures for free. So I don't know. I just, I guess to turn them off, you'd need the mono space version sans code. Ligatures, yeah. That's right. But you couldn't call it Cascadia Sands. <laughs> That's a whole other thing, right? That's right. Oh, yeah. It would look like Comic Sands, which is not something we'd want. That's how most of my, my code <laughs> yeah. should probably be in Comic Sands, honestly. And, and speaking of these past shows we've done, we've talked with Nikita on Fear of Code. In, in, in your special thanks in your doc, you've got a, a thank you to that project in terms of the coding ligatures. So awesome there. So are you using their ligatures then? Are you pulling them in to Cascadia? That is a great question. Or do you know what the what the thank you is for? Just for the inspiration? Yeah, maybe? I think it either we pull from them or it's a thank you to them. Our font designer set it up and we did it so long ago, I, I honestly don't quite remember 
how that happened. I want to say, because they're open source as well, I want to say that we ingested those. Mm-hmm. But I am not entirely sure. Okay. That was so long ago. Mm. It's all good. <laughs> they either directly inspired or directly contributed. Either mm-hmm. way, the spirit of open source. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think what it does for sure, while we're talking about it again, is that it's clearly, one, an aspect of the interface that we need to pay attention to. Two, can have, as we have just said through my uh, silliness, is that you can have a coding literature <laughs> version of it, which is super cool. That's the point of it. Mm-hmm. To sort of enhance the experience as a developer to get special features from the font, font face in your interface. But just how important this thing is, this type of like the font that you use, how important that is to developers. So, I mean, even rewinding back, that's a big part of what you were trying to do with Windows Terminal is, is not just give it a facelift and new features, but like kind of evolve the interface. And a big part of that is 100% the font. Yeah. The choice of it. Yeah, definitely. Don't mind me. I'm just over here just trolling through Cascadia code on GitHub trying to find out are they actually using their ligatures or did they? It says thanks for the fear code, open type code for the coding ligatures, which makes me think maybe you're using the same system that he uses in order to generate the ligatures, but maybe it just means for the ligatures themselves. Anyways. Yeah. Well, this begs to be like some sort of standardization across different, you know, font faces, different, different typography you know, in this case, Cascadia, or in the other case, Fira, that you can have sort of like that uh, open type code, as you just said, Jared, to to enable, you know, hey, you want this style of font? Great. It, it can have these ways to have the coding ligatures. It's like unsolved mysteries yeah. for open source. <laughs> in our world, we can just go ask Aaron Bell, and he'll he'll tell us exactly the truth. Yeah. He'll solve the mystery oh, yeah. real fast, won't he, Caleb? Yeah, he would definitely yeah. know. He's Yeah, he's our font designer, so he would definitely have the answer. And a fantastic one. Shout out to Aaron Bell at Aaron Bell on Twitter if you want to hit him up. But definitely type design and typography is is what he does. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, Kayla, we know the settings UI is coming down the pipeline. And you have a list of things that are in the works. Anything else folks need to know about? Like what's the best way to play with Terminal? Get on the preview train or the official train? What's the touch points for folks who would like to try this out or maybe contribute a feature or just follow along and and watch as it gets better and better. Yeah, so there's a few different resources that we have. So you can download the preview or just plain Windows Terminal from the Microsoft Store. And if you don't have access to the Microsoft Store, we also publish those builds on GitHub under the Releases tab. So if you can't get the Microsoft Store on your machine, you can get it that way. You would just have to update manually if you wanted the latest updates, you'll have to update manually if you get it from GitHub, whereas the store should handle it for you and um, give you those updates automatically. The difference between the two is in preview, that's where we ship the latest features first. And then a month after they've been in preview, we move them over to uh, Windows Terminal proper. Uh, so that way all the bugs have been ironed out and it's been you know tested and all that. And then you'll get the new stuff. So if you're if you're someone who wants the newest features as soon as they come out, you don't care if it's a little buggy, you can go on the preview branch. Or if you really care about stability, then you can get on the Windows Terminal branch and you should get the new stuff a month after they, we announce them. So it just depends on what your needs are and what your preferences are in terms of getting the new stuff. But all the the newest stuff will be in preview first and then migrate over to stable. And then in terms of knowing what's going on, 
We have a blog and that's at devblogs.microsoft.com slash command line. And I write a blog post for every release that we have. So if you are curious about what new features have made it into preview and then migrate into stable, I iterate through the big features on there and explain how they work and how to get them working or like what's new and all that stuff. And then also I'll tweet random terminal things that are happening or sometimes I'll do a poll if we're figuring out like a default setting, I'll do that on my Twitter. So that's a really good place to go to as well. And then in terms of providing feedback and doing feature requests and issues and stuff, the feedback link that's in Windows Terminal, so in the dropdown at the bottom, I believe it says feedback, that will take you directly to GitHub. So if you don't know how to get there, that's one way to do it. Or you could just, I'm sure you could just Google Windows Terminal and the GitHub should show up very quickly. Um, but you can, if you see a bug, we highly encourage you to file it. Or if you are like, man, I wish it could do this, like, please, please file a feature request because that's how we operate is like, you know, through GitHub. So that's how contributions can happen. And then also, like, if you want to comment on specs that are being written and provide your opinion, or if you want to look at some PRs that are in progress and try to contribute there, you can comment on those. We do value um, like comments and issue filing like and creation of PRs. We Everything counts and we truly value all of that. So those are some ways that you can contribute too. Very cool. Mm-hmm. We'll drop some link in the show notes for the listeners to follow along. That way they can take suit as you as you'd mentioned there. And Kayla, thank you so much for your time. It's been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, give it up for Kayla and all the awesome work they're doing on Windows Terminal, making that a great experience. And by the way, I have some semi-secret news to share. We're beta testing a membership that lets you, yes you, get closer to the middle. It's called Changelog++, and this is the first time we're mentioning it publicly. Support our work, help us test this program, and make the ads disappear at changelaw.com slash plus plus. One of the cool things is we've slashed our rates for early adopters like you, so go check it out. Again, changelaw.com slash plus plus. And of course, huge thanks to our partners who get it, Linode, Fastly, and Rollbar. Also, huge thanks to Breakmaster Cylinder for making all of our awesome beats. Thanks again for tuning in this week. We'll see you next week.